By the end of this episode, discover how Leif made £250,000 while at university, scaling from a team of three to 15 in just under two years. The number one lesson from having a stroke, being in a coma for seven days and how that can change your life and the free secrets you can use to build an incredible network. Come on, come on, let's have it. Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast with your hosts, Callum Webber and Jacob Ingham-Gore. October 2019, I was in Budapest on a small intern program and I fell to the floor. Woke up seven days later in a Hungarian hospital with no hair, loads of different things plugged into my body, tubes coming out each orifice and things strapped to my head. Here we are then. So we're back with the Freedom Lifestyle podcast and we've got a very, very special episode uh, today. We're joined uh, with Leif Hampshire, who I actually connected with in the in the David Lloyd Spa and we just connected straight away and we were on the similar missions in life, which is really exciting. And the crazy thing about the whole thing was, was I met him on a Thursday at David Lloyd and the following week on a Tuesday, I was actually connected with um, a millionaire and we were speaking, we were connecting and he actually said to me, he goes, you need to get connected um, with, a, with a girl called Noor. And, and then he also went, and then you also need to get connected with Noor's brother, which was Leif. And I was like, no way. I literally met Leif the week before. I was like, what are the chances of that? And it, to me, that just shows that everything happens for a reason. There's always a reason why you meet people. So with no further ado, Leif, I'm going to give pass it over to you. Give some context, like rewind back to like who you are. And obviously fast forward to now you're, you're, you're changing lives, bro. Callum, bro. Firstly, it's an honor and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for yeah, dropping in and giving me the invitation to connect with you more through this podcast. And, you know, from the moment I met you, we were, you know, you jumped in and we were chatting and I was like, this guy fucking knows, you know, like this guy's on it. He's tuned in, he's tapped in, he's connected and he's in service. And I really, I really admire that, you know, like I really admire your dedication to service as well as like your beliefs around mindset and wanting to be successful but also giving back so that's really important man so yeah without a doubt it was um beautiful to get to know you and then when when I found out that a week later you were introduced to someone who knew my sister really well you know you said to me hey Leif we were always gonna meet some way shape or form like the universe always had its plan the universe always knew thank you so much for the question you know who am I is a question I'm constantly sitting with every day what why am I here is another question I'm sitting with but what I can do is just rewind back to um a bit more about my journey and my story and maybe we can start there and then I can handle what I'm doing, what I'm doing now. So, well, well, let me let me frame out of this actually. Like right now, I facilitate transformational well-being experiences, things from cold water swimming, ice bath therapy, as well as as you mentioned, like men's work as well, where we explore the shadow and therapeutic side to healing of the masculine and also of the feminine. And men's work is really about understanding how can we as men shop more healthily in our lives. So I facilitate men's work experiences all over the world at the moment, presently. Um, Gratefully just got back from Egypt from facilitating some work, was in Ibiza earlier this year. I'm primarily doing a lot across the UK. Uh, That's an organization called Emergent Men. And then also my personal practice, which goes through my personal organization. Also run something called Emergent Purpose, which is an organization that delivers well-being experiences to communities 
and companies. So we go into organizations, big blue chip companies, and we facilitate morning breathwork sessions, yoga, mindfulness classes. We do community connection events. And we're really about bringing people together and making them feel really good, not only inside, but also outside as well. Emergent Purpose also has some really incredible clients such as Team Love and Glastonbury Festival, where we go to festivals and we look after artists and staff because those are very high stress environments. Yet, I've not always been a man that's been interested <clears throat> in all this stuff. You know, I'm not someone who woke up one day and was like, yeah, I want to tr- deliver transformational well-being experiences. You know, absolutely not. I was far from that once upon a time. Uh, and yet I was guided on this path due to something that happened to me um, quite a few years ago now. Um, so back in 2019, I experienced a stroke and I had a brain aneurysm. But I will kind of fast forward to that point. Um, Three years before that, I was studying at the University of the West of England in Bristol. Um, I did my BA in entrepreneurship and then I went on to study a master's in global entrepreneurial management. During my um, time at university, I was deep in startups. I I definitely wasn't someone who was that inspired by the classical education system like I didn't really think university was right for me but you know what I wanted to get away from home at the time and I thought it'd be good shits and giggles to kind of travel out to Bristol and go to university so when I was 18 19 I went off to university and my first year of uni I nearly dropped out studied business management I believe you're a man that also studied business management one of the most useless degrees out there let's learn business by not doing business um that's not the you know that's something which I didn't resonate with. I was always someone who kind of had a bit of an entrepreneurial buzz, you know, was the kids selling sweets in the playground. However, um, business management was not what I was seeking. I then found um, I then met a mate, a guy called Sam. I'll never forget this moment. Um, he was standing outside outside halls, and I said, you know, you're right, mate. What are you studying? He said, I'm studying something called entrepreneurship. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I thought I was doing that. Um, he was like, no, no. So what I do, we have no lectures, no exams. And all we do is entrepreneurial ventures. I was like, what? Like, for real? Like, this is a real degree? He was like, yeah, I run mm. events. I've got a t-shirt brand. I was like, what? So anyway, that moment, within a week, I left the business management, re-enrolled on entrepreneurship. And the following September, started the entrepreneurial degree program at UWE. Completely changed my relationship with education. I found something that I really love to do. Over the course of three years at university, I went from wanting to drop out to becoming the sustainability officer representing 26,000 students, having multiple small projects from selling suites in the halls, designing some t-shirts, And then about the end of my first year of entrepreneurship, I found a huge niche in a market. And that was the fact that students on university campuses had little to no options for food in the evenings. Mm. My first official startup was an organization called Teleco, where we were delivering meals from student halls to other student halls. And over the course of two years, we went from a team of three to a team of 15, um, where we were hiring students to deliver food around campus. We were hiring students to be chefs and cooking. And we turned over just shy of 250K over the course of two years. It was a very capital intensive model where, you know, we had very high overhead costs. Anyone that has worked in the food industry will be resonant with this. Like the margins are small and you've got to be doing a lot to make anything. We also had proprietary technology where 
where students could order from their phones. And then we had couriers that we hired who would then deliver things on bicycles. Funnily enough, Deliveroo and Uber Eats were launching around a similar time in the UK. We got completely churned out the market and we, without a doubt, found that I had this initial vision of delivering fresh, healthy meals to students. But fundamentally, students want burgers, chips and chicken wings. (laughs) And so by the second year, this organisation, which was about creating fresh, healthy meal options, turned into cheesy fries, double bacon cheeseburgers, chicken wings, delivering to students. Yes, we were making the most money that we've ever made, but it was completely out of value to what I wanted to do. It was completely out of value to my own beliefs. And so during the, during the end of my third year at university, I ended up stepping away from the company, which was, of course, one of the hardest things that has ever happened, you know. And I ended up leaving and the company then folded. So I was in charge of the operations. I was in charge of building all these relationships with the staff. When I left, staff left. That was one of my zones of genius as I'm a people person. But when I left, the staff left. That, of course, opened a massive new window of opportunity where I then at once thought I was going to be the food entrepreneur, going to grow and scale this food business to actually, this isn't what I want to do. I need change in my life. I then went on to work for the European Union for a few months. My background in startups and coaching meant that I got hired to kind of coach startups in the sustainability sector, which was a solid three-month program over the summer of 2018, which was bloody amazing. Lived in Zurich, Paris, Austria. Um, It was really, really inspiring, actually. It was really fun. I met some really cool people. Uh, And then I went on to study a master's in global management. And the idea behind this master's degree was to learn international business, you need to live in international environments. And so I spent the first six months of my master's living in Barcelona, in Spain, which was amazing. Bloody hell, the food and the beach and all the rest, what a city. The second six months, I went and lived in Taiwan, which is just an island just off China, and also spent some time in China. And then my final semester was in the University of San Francisco in America. And so over that period of 18 months, I traveled across all these continents, was experiencing different things, was working with big organizations, big corporates in all these different continents, and also getting a lot of experience around entrepreneurship and innovation. During near the end of that, I graduated from that master's degree, and I felt a bit lost. I was like, what do I want to do with myself? You know, I've got all these degrees. I've had all this experience. I've done all this travel. And relative like to my cycle, I kind of go through these like 18 month to two year like transformational cycles. And I was nearing the end of this one. So it was like time for change. And so I didn't know what to do, though. However, part of me believed that I needed to chase a job in finance and go and get the money, you know, it was like, cool, you've spent all this money, you've done these degrees, like, let's go find financial institute to work for. I was chasing a job in Frankfurt in Germany, um, remotely. And then I went to Budapest, um, which is where kind of my life really changed. Uh, October 2019, I was in Budapest on a small intern program. And I fell to the floor. And I woke up seven days later. And what happened to me was I suffered a brain aneurysm where a blood vessel in my basilla artery, which is the biggest artery, which runs all the way from our groin all the way through our body and into our head, 
an artery that is pumping a lot of blood around our body, but a blood vessel, which was like a swelling of the artery up in my brain, just burst. Ticking time bomb. I had no prior health conditions. I had no symptoms. There was no hereditary relationship between people in my family who had also experienced it. But on October the 13th, I left this earthly pain plane for a series of days. Woke up seven days later in a Hungarian hospital with no hair, loads of different things plugged into my body, tubes coming out each orifice and things strapped to my head. So you can imagine this was one of the most fucking scary moments of my life. And due to when they operated on my brain, um, when they operate on my brain, they don't go in through the brain because it's it could be too, too, too damaging. They actually send two metal, slightly robotic um, arms up through my groin. So through arteries on the left and right side um, of my groin, they send it up all the way up through the body into the brain and they operate that way, which is a piece of technology which did not exist nearly 10 years ago. So it's like, you know, 10 years ago, if this had happened, I wouldn't be here right now. Even in the moment, if that had happened two hours before in the shower, I wouldn't be here right now. The fact that I dropped when I was outside playing football, a medic ran over. I had a weird period of window where my brain was filling with blood where I needed to be operated on. And that happens. So we talk about spirit. We talk about the divine. We talk about things happening for a reason, whether it's meeting someone in David Lloyd or being in the right place at the right time when you need health care and support. In that moment, everything happened as it was supposed to. I woke up seven days later. And when I woke up, um, I actually experienced a stroke. So when they were operating, they burst one of the blood vessels in my brain. So when I woke up, I had near to no movement at all on the right side of my body. I don't know if you've ever fallen asleep on your arm, but when you fall asleep on your arm, you kind of, it feels a bit fuzzy and you can't really move it. I had that on the whole right side of my body and I could not move the right side of my body, which was one of the most shell shocking things of my life. You know, fast forward, um, that was, that was wild. And I definitely learned a lot through that. I spent a month in intensive care in Budapest. I then was sent home back to the UK. And then I spent the following 18 months in a deep state of recovery. The biggest gift during that time was the fact that I was learning about health, learning about body optimization, learning about recovery. I was literally sat at home during lockdown, doing breath work, doing mindfulness, doing yoga, all these things that I needed to do in order to heal myself I was dropped in it. I became my best case study. I became my, you know, the vessel in which I was able to work on. Like I became the body. And it was through that period of time that my whole my whole life became much more expansive in understanding the world of holistic health and well-being. So that's a really kind of top level overview of how that happened. And, you know, I had the whole lockdown period, lots of different things happened and then kind of what came over that. But I feel like, you know, just just kind of sharing that there and then kind of seeing what feels most alive to go forward with. Yeah. Firstly, firstly, like, thank you for sharing that with our Freedom Lifestyle listeners. It really 
it really puts into perspective of like how precious life actually really is. Like, you know, you nearly lost your life. You you were in a coma for seven days while you're in your twenties. Like, you know, that is really, really unheard of. Um, and you know, it's amazing that that you've turned that negative into a positive and now you're transforming and changing lives through through men's work, which is really incredible. But I guess my first question for you really is like, what was like your biggest lesson? from experiencing being in a coma for for seven days yeah that's a really great question um what was my biggest lesson for me in a coma for seven days I would say probably you know when I was in the coma I was I was I wasn't aware I think once I started to wake up um I woke up and you know I could have had the biggest car the biggest house but all I wanted was my family All I Mm, wanted was the people around me. And actually, like, I remember some of my best fucking friends have flown in from the UK to be near me, to be next to me. And I woke up with all these messages from people from around the world that I'd connected with, spent time with, traveled with, like sending their love, you know. And actually, like, what I'd realized is I'd really put time and energy into investing into relationships. And it came back, you know, sometimes we invest in relationships, you know, sometimes we invest in, a, invest in gold and we see it increase over years, but sometimes we invest in relationships and we don't know when we need to cash out. And it's not about cashing out because we do it with heart. We do it with love. You know, it's not because, oh, I'm going to invest in relationships because one day I might be lying in a coma and I might need help. No. What I learned in that moment is my ability to build relationships and connect with people was by far my biggest asset that I'd ever done. Because not only had I had friends in Budapest who spoke Hungarian, who were able to support the translation of doctors to my mum who then arrived, you know, I had friends around the world who were connecting with each other, understanding how they could best support me. And so it's like I woke up and having my mum, my dad, my sisters, my brother and my best friends, some of my best friends there was the most healing thing and was actually the most important thing, you know, by far the most important thing. And so, you know, that was one of my biggest lessons was the fact that like fundamentally we can move through our life, you know, thinking about what I can gain and what I can gain from different things. And how success, how do we define success? But fundamentally, like the relationships and the people that I had in my life were the most beautiful things. And I was so grateful for that. And actually, they really, really, you know, I had some of my best friends and my family be by my hospital bed every day for nearly a month. You know, like how fucking great, how fortunate am I? Yeah, that is, that's so powerful. Like, what an incredible lesson. And like, for anyone, any of you listening to this right here, right now, like you can take that away like instantly and start being more. And this is something that I'm working on myself after going through a breakthrough with Jacob um, is actually just being more present when you're with your family. And and also as well, like something I've learned from doing a lot of traveling is sometimes you actually get more closer with your family when you're when you're going away traveling because you actually appreciate them more. And then when you are with them and you are together, you make that more special when you're together to make sure you're creating amazing experiences with your family. Because sometimes when you're living with your, your parents, I said to Jacob the other day, like, you could be living with your parent or I'll live with my nan. And I'm like, I haven't actually like hugged her like the whole month, you know? But like if, if you go if you if you go away traveling for six months, as soon as you see him again, you're, you're going to give him a big hug, aren't you? So it's like 
taking that into your life every day and, and giving more love with, with your friends, giving more love with your family and building a community. And something I want to dive a little bit more deeper on actually, Leif, and it's something that I didn't realize you were going to bring up, but you mentioned of, of how one of your good skills is um, building relationships. And obviously I see a lot of quotes on social media saying that like, you know, it gets lonely at the top. That's why there's only two seats in a Ferrari. And I see a lot of quotes like that. And I actually think that's quite a negative way of looking at success because the way I look at success is I'd rather go to the top, but bring everybody else with me and have a huge community around me all at the top together because you can do a lot more good. So you mentioned how good you are at building relationships. So will you be able to give our Freedom Lifestyle listeners like free top tips to create incredible relationships with people Mm, beautiful question man three top tips to build incredible relationships with people i think firstly for me there's like this real authentic showing up with no expectation and what i mean by that is like i am genuinely curious about so many people that I meet and sometimes I'm in a conversation with someone that I might meet in a cafe or in an airport and I'm like genuinely like you know tell me about your life you know I'm really interested so for me it's not like oh I want this relationship because maybe later I can benefit from it no it's like actually with people I'm present I'm generally curious and with that I've got people that I've met who I've met in a coffee shop or I've met in the park and that, and that they've then shared stuff with me where they turn around and go, I've not shared that with anyone before. Like, thank you. And I think one of my unique abilities is when I'm with someone, I really listen. Like I'm really curious. I want to know more about them. I want to know. And, th- and that's not for any self gain. That's just because I, f- I find humans fascinating. I find it so fascinating that every single body has their own story. Everybody has their own journey. And that is so beautiful, you know. And I, I always remember when my mum shared this with me. She goes, you know, when going to like a talk or, you know, when presenting something, it just takes one piece of information to completely change your life. So it's like, I'm curious to a point that's like, you, this person might share something with me, which completely changes my way of thinking, <clears throat> which completely changes my paradigm. So one first top tip is be authentically curious, like really give a fuck. And that comes from a place of deep compassion and care, but like give a fuck. My second one is like rapport. You know, I'm so, I'm a man that loves to nurture relationships as well. So like, quite fundamentally, like practically, like I have time in my day and week, which is dedicated to responding to messages, to responding to emails, because I'm not the man that will message someone and reply three months later or two weeks later, really. Like that's very rare. It's like I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm wanting to keep the communication going. I'm also not going to be worried about asking difficult questions. You know, like, why do you believe this thing? Oh, you're you're interested in this. Can you tell me more about why you're interested in this? Like, why do you care so much about politics in Indonesia? Or why do you really enjoy this certain sport? Like, what what inspires you? Like, I'm really curious. I think that's why I make a great coach and why coaching is a big part of my forte. Because I love asking questions and I love being curious. So the second one is definitely like this idea of really being curious as well as then identifying time to nurture relationships as well like 
I will have time of the day where it's like, I'm just going to be responding to people and actually replying to messages. And when you do that over a course of five, six, seven years, I've got people like relationships all over the world. I will speak to my friends all over the world on a frequent basis just because I love building those relationships. So that's the second one, you know, really I creating time. The third one is really important. Know when to cut off people. Know when, which, you know, is kind of counter to building relationships, but fundamentally, we all have certain capacity. We all have certain ability to have X amount of relationships in our life. So what's really important to learn is when to move on from relationships, when to let people go. And that can come from a place of love. And that can be, I've got brothers and sisters, like bros and girls I've had in my life where I've been like, do you know what? I feel like I'm at a point where this relationship is no longer serving me. And actually the time and energy I'm putting into this is no longer serving me. And that can be very difficult conversations to have with people. You know, like I've got brothers that are good friends of mine that were good friends of mine. And I've said, hey, bro, like, I feel like I'm investing in this relationship and I don't feel like I'm being met. I feel like I'm always the one reaching out. I feel like I'm always the one trying to build things. And that's the thing that goes in comparison to one and two, because yes, invest in relationships, but make sure you're being met as well. Because if I'm always the one messaging Joe Blogs like, hey, bro, let's meet up. And they're like, ah, hey, bro, halas, at some point, it's done. You know, hey, bro, I don't feel like I'm being met on this. You know, it's like you were doing a female in a relationship with a woman or whichever way, you know, people, you know, have their romantic relationships. So for me, it's like, if I'm speaking to a girl and I don't feel like I'm being met, I'd be like, sorry, like, this isn't where I'm going with this. Or if I don't feel like I'm able to meet them, I will also be honest. I'd be like, hey, like, I feel like I don't, I'm, I, I feel like you're wanting this more than me. And right now, like, I don't feel comfortable moving this forward. That's very much romantic. But then that can also work with friends, you know, hey, like, I feel like I'm putting more energy into this or I don't have the energy for this. So third one is management of energy, you know. So quick recap, you know, the first one you've got, be generally authentically curious. The second one is create time quite literally in your diary to nurture these relationships. And the third one is manage energy effectively and know when to cut people out and also invest in more. That was incredible. That was absolutely incredible. Like I, I learned myself um, from going through them three steps as well, which was incredible. So if you're listening to this and like you're someone that really wants to level up your networking game, like rewind that and take notes um, because that was some absolute gold. I love how in depth and details you went and you could use that to to network, like you said, to, to build relationships with potential business partners, with potential um, best friends and also with potential partners um, mm. in, in the future as well. So that was incredible, Leif. So um, I guess like we'll move on to to what you're doing now and obviously like for all you listening like Leif runs uh, men's ret- men's retreats where he helps and transforms men and I'm actually going to it um this Sunday so that'd be what is that April April the April the second so I'm really curious because I'm a curious guy myself I'm always curious and obviously we've got a similar trait there it's it's good to be curious if to build amazing relationships and I'm really curious to see like what you're what you're doing I can't wait to see it so I guess a question for you Leif is what's your purpose of running the men retreats Mm, beautiful thank you for that question and so you know 
men's work changed my life and that and that I don't say that without absolute wholeheartedly you know my dad um divorced my mum when I was three years old and there was a really wounded relationship between my dad and my mum I had a lot of anger towards my dad for so many years and uh, my mum remarried an Englishman Tim Hampshire and Tim was my dad my stepdad you know I didn't speak to my biological dad for about 10 years I didn't speak to my biological dad, had no no form of relationship. It was very fragmented um, and wouldn't really wanted him in my life. Gratefully, my stepdad stepped in and, you know, he was my father and he really looked after me. And when, about when I was 15, 16, um, my stepdad started to suffer with heavy alcoholism. And I witnessed a beautiful man um, struggle with addiction struggle with his own demons um, to a point where in 2019, 2018, a couple years before, um, when I moved home from school, um, I found out that my mum had been both emotionally and physically abused by my alcoholic stepfather. And this was not the man that was my father when I was younger. You know, he, my stepdad was a beautiful, loving, caring man. And yet yeah, he battled with his demons. His own addictions, his own trauma meant that he became addicted to substance and that completely changed him. You know, when that man was under the influence, he was not who he was, you know, and to a point where my mum had to get a restraining order against him and he had to move out about 2016. Um, a couple of years later in 2018, so about 2016, I felt like I'd lost my stepdad and through that started to build a relationship with my real dad. So I started to rebuild a relationship with my real dad. However, it was very, very fragmented. 2018, I was in Barcelona. I received a phone call to say that my stepdad had been found at the bottom of his stairs under the influence and had left this earthly plane. And, you know, I felt like I'd lost him a few years before that. But in 2018, like I knew that he was gone. And that meant that I could no longer try to rebuild that relationship with this man. And yet, at the same time, there was this feeling that I knew he was up there and he was far happier than he was down here because he'd lost his battles and he'd really given up with his struggles. And so that then started to allow me to rebuild a relationship with my actual father. But, you know, this man I hadn't spoken to for nearly 10 years, you know, had a very fragmented relationship. I had a lot of anger against him. My inner child was like, you left us. Like, I don't care about you. And that's how that's the anger and pain that I felt as a child. And I'd carried that. 2019, my incident happens, right? I'm lying in hospital and my mum, my dad and my three sisters and me were there. Two sisters. That was the first time in 20 years that we'd all been in the same room at the same time. I've got a tattoo on my right leg that it was the stroke of my right leg that brought us together. Okay. Wow. However, the relationship was still fragmented. I said, look, dad, like, you know, you weren't there for me. You weren't there for, you weren't there for so much of me growing up. Like I barely know you. And he'd made a commitment that we were going to rebuild our relationship. And I made a commitment to ask myself, we're going to rebuild this relationship. End of 2021, I experienced men's work and this all comes up. I went to a men's men's experience in 2021 at a festival called Medicine Festival, which I've shared about. That was the first time I'd ever experienced men's work. 
I walked into that room and I walked out a different man. I walked into that room and what I witnessed on that day within a three hour workshop completely shifted my paradigm. I realized there was this work that I'd, yes, I'd had my own health journey and I'd explored these different practices, but this work that was happening in this room with masculine, with men, these men holding the space, it's like I'd been spending my whole life searching for it because of the deep wounds I'd have from both my fathers and my mother. I'd realized there was this work that I'd never realized. 2021 men's work came into my life. And the start of 2022, I started to dive deep into this practice. I was like, I need this more in my life. I also realized that there wasn't necessarily as much access to what I wanted in Bristol. And so I started an organization with two, three other brothers at the time called Emergent Men. And over the course of the year, we went from wanting to deepen our own practice to facilitating spaces for nearly 350 men every month in Bristol. We were at festivals, we were at different, um, we were running different workshops and this whole thing completely changed my life. And now like I'm at a point in my career and only it's only been 18 months, only, I say only, but bloody hell, it's been a transformational 18 months. Last October, I saw my dad for the first time again in three years because of COVID, I haven't seen him. And for the first time in my entire life, October, I sat next to my dad. And for the first time, I felt like I had a father. I felt like I'd healed the wounds in which I'd held since I was three years old. The anger, the pain, the distrust. And through men's work had allowed me to start healing those wounds but they're not they are far from fully healed always well, I'd started to heal those wounds and in October last year my dad lives in Turkey now I felt like I had my barber back I felt like I had my father you know and all the work that I've been done both facilitating spaces going to other organizations or spaces both an organization called Sacred Sons the Mankind Project being in those spaces allowed me to heal the wounds in which I felt like I was never able to heal to a point where for the first time now at the age of 26, I felt like I've got a dad back. And so, you know, what is my purpose with men's work is to provide safe spaces for men to do the work, whatever that means for them. I've had my own unique journey. Brothers have their own unique journey. You know, men's work is now a core part of my life. And I would say probably my flagship offering in regards to what I'm looking to deepen my practice in. Like men's work changed my life and it will continue to. And so it's now an honor and a a gift to be able to hold the space for other men to explore this stuff as well. Amazing, amazing. Like firstly, like obviously thank you again for for getting being very vulnerable and sharing sharing your story, sharing your past. I know it can be quite difficult um to do that. So obviously it shows that you've done a lot of work because you're um you're able to speak it with 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 conviction of like what's happened and, and what's happened from it, which is amazing. So I mean, I'm blown. I'm, my my mind's blown, and obviously, like your purpose of doing it, like I can pl- completely see why. And I feel like we've got um, a lot of correlation between, obviously, what uh, my business partner Jacob's doing with NLP, uh, which has been able to eliminate trauma completely and plant a new empowering seed. So I feel like the link is is very there, and that's exactly why there was a reason why we met together. And I'm very very excited to come to the event, second um, of April. 
2023 um and obviously i'll be sharing my experience with the events all my freedom lifestyle listeners as well um which is absolutely incredible in the description i'm going to make sure that i put the link to uh, your instagram life and also um your emergent men events as well i'll be putting that in there so scroll down guys and, and, and check life out get connected he's he's an incredible credible human being but i've got one final question before I wrap this up, and it's something that's tradition, it's something that we uh, do on every single podcast. And the question is, obviously, the podcast is called Freedom Lifestyle. So what is what does Freedom Lifestyle mean to you, Leif? Mm, beautiful. Firstly, thank you so much for your sharing and the, the, the acknowledgement of my journey, bro. So thank you so much. It's really appreciated. Uh, what does Freedom Lifestyle mean to me? Freedom Lifestyle means having the courage to do what you love and relentlessly pursuing joy whatever joy means to you joy and doing what you love you know that's freedom and that might be working in an organization that you align with you know I've got clients that love their job you know they just need to find more balance with doing other things but they love they love working for company xyz that's like their work it's like for me it's not necessarily about being an entrepreneur building your own business it's not necessarily about that for me you know freedom life for me means doing what you love and pursuing that because i tell you what you can run your own company and have stressful fucking days you can run your own company and be working 14 hours a day and have no balance it's not about being the entrepreneur and having that you know Um, For me, it's about what is freedom lifestyle? For me, it's about doing what you love and being in service to something greater than you. And that for me is what I've dedicated my life to, you know, like I'm in service to something greater than me. You know, I'm in service. The work that I do is I facilitate transformation. But freedom lifestyle for me is about doing what I love and recognizing there'll be challenges, recognizing there'll be difficult days, recognizing there'll be long, stressful, sleepless nights. However, I wake up being like, damn, I'm grateful. Damn, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to breathe. I'm grateful to smile, to connect, to love, to enjoy the pleasures of life. I'm so grateful for all of that. And so it's like, cool, let's, let's keep going. Let's continue. How do I bring more joy into my life? So freedom lifestyle is joy. It's pursuing your passions. It's doing what you love incredible incredible and i can't wait to get you back on this podcast again it's been an absolute pleasure adios leif adios thank you for listening to the freedom lifestyle podcast myself and jacob run a free community on whatsapp with over 200 entrepreneurial lads in their 20s escaping the rat race without doing it alone feeling overwhelmed and burning out i don't know whether you want to scroll down now click the freedom lifestyle community link take a short quiz in under two minutes to join for free i can't can't wait to see you in there.